0: You get these questions a lot. Where are you from? And what do you do? That's what you get asked, right? Meeting someone new if you're at a party or maybe on your dating profile. So why not just tell the world? We just launched a brand new online store that tells people where you're from and what you do. It has all 50 U.S. states and some countries represented with physical therapist gear at ptpincast.com. A stainless steel tumbler for a PT in Tennessee? Check. South Carolina PT t-shirts? double check. Face masks for a Florida PT. Yeah, we got that. Great gear for life, all with your profession and home state on it. Great gifts for yourself, a colleague, a clinical instructor, a student, all now at ptpinecast.com.
1: We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast.
0: All right, here we go. It's Wednesday night live. We're doing it again here on PT Pinecast. Welcome to the show. Before we get started, we've got some really, really great insight and information about your profession. We've done this the the last couple of years, uh, talked about this report, the state of rehab from WebPT. We're bringing on some experts to take a look at what you said and what you shared with WebPT for their state of rehab. Before we get going, do you want to thank our friends? From your CBD store, find them online at cbdrx4u.com. We had an episode not long ago. A lot of you chimed in on that one. Talking about the use, over-the-counter use of CBD. Do you know exactly how it's going to f- affect your patient's course of treatment? Do you know exactly what it's going to do? Uh, your patients will be taking this for sleep, for wellness, uh, for stress reduction. Get the ABCs of CBD online right now at cbdrx 4 u Dot .com I want to thank those guys for helping to support the show as well as this just shipped out a couple of these this our lawyers reminded me this might look like a logo from a famous soft drink but it's it's completely it's just a coincidence uh we've got these and more available to support the show online at ptpuncast.com <laughs> And away we go. Welcome to PT Pinecast. Great physical therapy conversations on tap. I'm your host, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Find us on the socials at PT Pinecast on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and the website PT as well as that store we mentioned uh, a second ago. We've got some really great insight. This is uh, this is something pretty cool that WebPT has done for the last couple of years. And just some insight. We're going to have the links available for you to get the 2021 State of Rehab report from WebPT. Uh, but they, I liked looking backwards at the last couple of years' worth of reports. It's kind of cool to kind of look backwards, right? If you got a bunch of data, you, you want to look backwards, see how things are trending and where they're going. And we're going to get some insight into that report uh, tonight. So what's that leadoff right here? With the co-founder and chief clinical officer of WebPT, the EMR and practice management software used by 40% of outpatient rehab therapists. 40%? That's a lot. Uh, let's bring her in here, Heidi Janagan, no stranger to the show. Heidi, welcome to the program.
2: Jimmy, so awesome to be back with you. It's really exciting. And thanks for uh, you know helping to spread the word about this report and the uh, the really insightful data that we're gonna talk about today.
0: Well, let, let's start from the start. Uh, why did you start doing this? You've been, you've been doing the state of rehab report for a couple of years now. Why'd you take this on? This is no easy lift. If you download this, and we'll put the link uh, in the comments below. If you're watching this live, why would you guys decide to, to take this on?
2: Well, it's actually our five year anniversary of doing this, so it's been a, a few more years than just a couple, but. You know, what really was the impetus for us doing it was um, we wanted to find more information about the industry as a whole. Demographics, like, do people love their jobs? Like, what are technology trends? Um, And we just really couldn't find it. It was super disparate. And honestly, nobody had it in one place. And so kind of being, you know, that entrepreneur minded uh, company that we are, we just took it on ourselves um, that first year really served as sort of the benchmark of metrics. And then every year we've been doing it since then. And this year we collected um, a little, just shy of 7,000 responses. The majority of whom were uh, therapists or assistants that actually are treating patients. And 60% of those were uh, representing the outpatient private practice market.
0: Wow. 7K or just close to 7K response responses. Anybody who's tried to run a survey knows that 7,000 responses is pretty legit. So well done uh, on your part with WebPT and kudos on, on, on doing this for five years. Again, as I mentioned, no easy lift. Well, let's get into some of the data or some of the things that you found out. Let's start with the macro. How, how has the PT industry grown over the last year? Again, not a normal year. I don't want to say unprecedented because that's a word that we've overused, but it definitely was. So what did we find?
2: Well, believe it or not, through this process, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, this wasn't a normal year, if you will. Um, and some of the survey results basically showed that 22% of therapy organizations um, do definitely are, are definitely on track for growing. They had enough cash reserves in order to make sure they had coverage for at least two months of expenses. Um, I'll have to say that, you know, that's that's not 100% great, right? You've got uh, quite a few of them that were struggling through during this time. Um, the bright side, though, there's 40% of leaders that responded to the report actually said that they had more than three months of expenses and have really been able to, I, I think that's why we've, We've had a lot of people being able to sort of ride the tide through um, this year uh, and are definitely uh, looking to grow and open. And I, I know from our anecdotal evidence uh, from from people talk, I talk to on a daily basis, they're busier than ever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think we've definitely recovered. There's a lot of pent up demand for our services, so it's exciting to see that we've, we've been able to ride it right through this storm
0: yeah we mentioned a few times in the last year that physical therapy as a profession of course born this centennial year born out of a pandemic the polio uh, yep. epidemic and uh, a great example of being poised to be really great providers in, in the right spot anything that jumped out at you anything that you know came out of the data that you said you know wow I didn't expect this or yeah this was right on target any, any big ones
2: you know, I, I was wondering, we, we wondered, and that's why we asked this question, if, you know, coming out of this and, uh, you know, the, the 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 big push of all of the different regulatory changes that have happened over the last, you know, five years, if this was going to be the last straw, right? If people were just going to wave their white flag and say, you know, I'm going to be done. I want to sell my practice. We know there's a lot of consolidation that's been happening um, in the industry as well, but only 14% of practice leaders actually said they were truly interested in selling their business this year uh, compared to last year, right? So the increase wasn't as much maybe as I thought it might be, um, but so that, I mean, from a private practice standpoint, uh, small and medium-sized businesses are, are still, you know, extremely uh, opportunistic um, and have an opportunity to grow um and are, have a stronghold here in in the industry as a whole
0: all right let's get into some specifics uh heidi i think we've had you on the show numerous times but this is the first time we've ever done it broadcasting live with streaming video so what are some of the services i'm tipping my hand here which is what i think the answer one of the answers would be what services are we utilizing more i think one of them was right in our face which was telehealth
2: we were using it more um so I just have to remind everyone this survey was done at the end of last year into the beginning of this year. Um, So obviously a lot has changed even in the last six months. Um, But during that period of time, as they reflected on 2020, uh, more than 50% of organizations uh, offered telehealth services uh, through that period. Um, And I mean, it obviously helped to continue to generate revenue and allow uh, clinics to continue to see patients. However, what we have seen over the last six months is those numbers dwindling quite a bit down to, you know, somewhere around 12 10 to 12% wow. of clinics that are still offering telehealth. And it's obviously now a hybrid, right? It's not hundred percent telehealth services anymore. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, telehealth continues to be uh, a part of our clinical offering. Personally, I think that it, it there is an opportunity and it, it should be utilized. I think we learned a lot, but we still have a lot more to learn. obviously it was thrust on many of us, uh, during this, this time, um, still a lot to learn and how to actually integrate telehealth appropriately and more importantly for, for great outcomes, uh, in the future.
0: Yeah, thrust was definitely a word that, that came into play. I remember uh, it was you know two years ago in Denver at CSM, which feels like like six years ago at CSM in Denver. Uh, people were talking about telehealth. It was one of those buzz topics, but they were saying five years from now. Little did they know it was just a couple of weeks away before that word thrust and telehealth being thrust upon us into a little bit more youth uh, use. How about uh, technology? What, what other technological, um, on top of telehealth, um, you know, interventions or 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 tools are physical therapists adopting.
2: Well, um, we know that they're adopting electronic health records, and there are obviously we we've uh, over the last ten years seen huge disruption in that area uh, with regard to technology. But they're adding on different services to that. Um, we've seen a lot of cash-based service offerings that are ramping up their direct access marketing. Efforts. So we're talking about uses of um, patient retention management platforms um, and adding on, you know, different marketing components to uh, their technology as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this warms the cockles of my heart as a guy with a communications background. I think physical therapists are finally saying, hey, like communicating with our potential uh, patients, potential patients, not just your current patients um, is a good return on investment. It is, it is time well spent. So that's, that's good to see. Uh, how about non-traditional services, things like DME, a lot of people are talking about nutrition counseling, ride share on top of telehealth.
2: Yeah. You know, this has opened up a lot of opportunities for access to care and this is something, you know, I'm, this is near and dear to my heart of trying to change that 90%, 90% of the people out there and potential patients, as you call them, um, who, uh, could benefit from our PT services, but are not getting access to us. And so how do we improve access? It's through some of those things, like you mentioned, obviously technology and telehealth can do that, especially in rural areas, Um, but access to care, meaning how do we get them actually to a clinic? How do we reach them? How do we get more referrals? So, um, you know, a lot of those non-traditional services are now under the umbrella of a PT practice uh, and, growing pretty at a pretty steady rate so as we think about population health right and all the different values that pts can offer um this was a time as we like to call it uh through this period when you couldn't necessarily only work in your business it was a really great time to work on your business um and some of that entrepreneurial spirit has blossomed into bringing other sort of providers into practices to give a more well-rounded approach to uh, the patient services uh, offered.
0: Yeah. If you're if you're watching, uh, you know, Twitter and Instagram and in physical therapy, which can be a double-edged sword, you get sometimes, you know, this is the end of the profession or this is a new beginning. And I think we understand that in the middle is typically where the answer lies. It usually isn't at, a, as, at an extreme end of those things. Um, you know, what business opportunities look like they're going to be on the horizon for physical therapy and physical therapist uh, uh, organizations. As we, uh, as we go into the future, what are some of the trends that we see going forward? We mentioned a minute ago, going to a complete, you know, 50%, close to 50% utilization of telehealth and that backs off, it it backed off a little bit. It just shows that necessity is the mother of invention or necessity is the mother of adoption. Um, What are the things that in the future will enhance the ability for PT practices to thrive and grow
2: well uh, we we mentioned some of the things already i think it's really uh being able to treat the patient as a one-stop shop for a lot of things that they think about when it comes to musculoskeletal issues right from either as a lead uh coming in for some sort of wellness and um you know cash-based service to get introduced to your practice um, or offering more specialties within uh, the actual true physical therapy options. Um, and then post, right, uh, there is no longer the discharge of, of a patient. Like, it's how do we keep that patient in the community of your clinic, um, incorporating all things from, can, you know, continued wellness and, and onward. I think there's also a huge opportunity from, a, you know, as we come out of COVID, right, these long haulers, post-COVID uh, patients that, um, are experiencing a lot of, uh, symptoms and, uh, issues that we as therapists can, can definitely be of value and add, you know, tremendous amount of opportunity for them to, to come in to see us. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity with regard to the, the, um, different types of patients that we can bring into the practice. Telehealth is still, I think, is still another huge option as a hybrid uh, component, as we mentioned earlier, to augment um, and reach more patients uh, uh, through through that technology.
0: Yeah, look at look at what people did. They they worked from home. They worked remotely. They got comfortable. A, a large portion of it. And when you give someone the option to have the on-demand care. The on-demand access, that's difficult to completely let go, right? People people said, hey, that thing, I like that thing. Why are we taking away that thing? Where'd that thing go? Remember that? So, you know, again, will it go all the way telehealth? No. Is that going to completely go away? Also no. But the ultimately, the audience, your current patients and your potential patients, they're going to let you know. So take a listen. Make sure you're, you're 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 paying attention to what they're telling you in terms of opportunity. Um, before we let you go, and we're going to bring you back before the end of the episode. Anything else uh, surprise you? I mean, doing this for five years with that many respondents over five years um, has to shock you or make you feel you know uh, like you have a a good handle on the direction of the profession. A- any last sentiment you'd want to leave about this year's state of rehab?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the other things we looked at was the uh, sort of lack of diversity. We, we've known this is a, an issue for, for quite a long time. Um, it's unfortunate that the numbers are not changing very quickly. As a matter of fact, they're staying somewhat status quo. Um, but one piece of good news out of that uh, that we did find that, you know, although women still represent about 68% of the industry, which hasn't really changed much, Um They have significantly increased the C-level and executive positions that they're holding at now 40 percent of C-level executives uh, that answered uh, this year were women. And so um, that was a really great positive uh, plus um, and trend upward Um, and good to see that there's a lot more, uh, you know, CEOs and C-levels that um, that that women are now holding those positions.
0: That's fantastic. All right, so we're we're going to bring you back in just a little bit. Again, you can check out the Complete Report, State of uh, Rehab Therapy 2021, the fifth time WebPT has done this, online at webpt.com. Heidi, we'll bring you back in uh, just a minute. We're talking about diversity. Heidi just brought that up. Uh, let's bring on our next guest, Atlanta-based Business Accelerator, Life Coach, Tavana Denise Boggs. Tavana, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me, Jim.
0: Uh Tavana you're uh, you're based out of uh, Atlanta do, do you have a drink with us I forgot to ask Heidi what she was drinking but do you have something to to to, to sip I'm on while sipping, we speak I'm
1: just sipping good old agua
0: there we go. H2. I've got a vodka soda because it's a nice, it's a nice uh, warm summer day here in upstate New York. Uh, but do want to thank our friends at Owens Recovery Science, a single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply it properly in practice. Again, find them online at OwensRecoveryScience.com and their very own uh, BFR podcast, the Owens Recovery Science podcast. Uh, you can find Tavana online at uh, at Tavana Denise uh, on Instagram. Uh, we bring you on to talk about the topic that Heidi was just allu- alluding to. And we want to lead off, what are the real world effects? We go from the the state of, of the the rehab industry with the report that WebPT has put out for five years, but what are the effects of the lack of diversity in the physical therapy community amongst therapists?
1: Well, in in terms of amongst therapists, there's a lot of isolation for many of us and lack of mentorship because there are not enough of us. Um, and sometimes it's very challenging to find a person that looks like you. And so again, it goes to isolation, it goes to mentorship, it goes to, and, and when you have lack of mentorship, then you have at times difficulty building your skills in terms of your clinical skills and then also difficulty, especially if we haven't built our own networking skills, we have challenges rising amongst the ranks because we just don't have that network. And so when we think about the, lack of the, the effect of lack of diversity amongst other minorities and African-Americans, it can be very challenging and detrimental to just like our satisfaction In the profession and our ability to earn our ability to thrive our ability to uh, actually stay in the profession.
0: All right, so let's flip that the same question, Uh, but in terms of being able to serve our communities, if there is a lack of diversity within our profession, you're mentioning all those things about connections and mentorship and networking, but if there's a lack of minority therapists. What happens to the local community in terms of patients seeking care?
1: I mean, the effects are widespread because, well, you know, most of the time people work where they live. And so if we don't have pe- we don't have enough physical therapists in those areas, Heidi is talking about 90% of people who need therapy can't get it. And so what is, what is the percentage of those people who are minority or African-American that can't get it? So it's affected in that way. And I even talked about in the report, in the response to the report, that sometimes when minorities are working with someone who does not look like them, that's not from their background their culture, there can be miscommunications. There can be a lack of trust. There can be a lack of um, compliance. And I really hate using that word because it's like we're being forced and everyone should have their own agency and their own care. But when there is that miscommunication, and I've seen it time and time again, because i worked in all of the settings except pediatrics, where a provider doesn't understand perhaps a colloquialism or slang term that someone is using that's from a different ethnic background than them. And so they write them off or they don't attempt to try or they speak over them. And I will be in the same room and see the signs that that patient doesn't understand, but either it's conscious or unconscious, the other part, the provider doesn't take the time to make sure that they've communicated in, in a way that the patient was understood or that they were understood by the patient.
0: This goes into one of my favorite quotes, which is science is not finished until it's communicated. If you are not able to understand or communicate properly with the people under your care there is miscommunication and when you lack communication, you lack understanding and without understanding, you can't get anywhere.
1: Right, and so then what we we hear them say, oh, well the patient is non-compliant without going that extra level to say, well, why was the patient non-compliant? Was it a communication issue? Was it an education issue? Was it a socioeconomic issue? Was it like, what was going on? And so I think the onus comes back on us as the clinicians and the providers and professionals to, in that case, beef up our skills, beef up our own um, social intelligence, our emotional intelligence, and not make it be something like that there's something wrong with us that we just don't understand. It's like, oh, here's an opportunity to go acquire a new skill.
0: Yeah, to acquire understanding, to... uh... To, to communicate, to be understood, to communicate, to understand as well, and not just waiting for your turn to talk. Um, from the, from the report, what jumped out at you from the current gaps in the racial makeup of the industry, the, the profession of physical therapy, anything that stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I was so surprised to think if we have in this country, we have 14% African-Americans to only see 2.8% of the profession. I mean, it was you're talking about a minority already, and then I don't even know what the word would be for that. Like that was that was something that really, really stood out to me um, in terms of just from a race issue. That was the biggest thing that I saw, I was like, wow, 2.8%.
0: We've had uh, we've had episodes uh, one most notably about a year ago with some uh, some minority students from uh, from Texas talking about their experience of being minority students, and they're saying getting even understanding or knowing about the profession of physical therapy. Number one, as a minority, if there are not minority physical therapists, why would they know about it? Getting in and having that experience, and then even if you graduate do you stay, right? If there are people who are not representative of your your own community, do you stay within that profession? And again, now we get to the people we serve. If those therapists aren't staying in the profession, they're not serving the people in their communities. Um, let's, uh, let's go to unconscious bias. You mentioned that a minute ago. How does our unconscious bias affect the ability for physical therapists, for physical therapist assistants to relate and communicate with their patients? You alluded to this a minute ago, but I think this is really important to, to hammer home.
1: Yeah, I think when we go in and we assume that we know it all and that the patient that we communicated clearly and that the patient understood, then the assumption is if the patient didn't comply with the HEP or whatever we asked them to do, then they're they're lazy or they're non-compliant or we make up any number of reasons rather than looking potentially at ourselves. And so I think we're in a unique position to start to question all of it. Like, And and I think when we take responsibility for our patients' results rather than just writing writing them off, it makes us better clinicians because then we get to ask ourselves the questions. Okay, the person didn't do that. Why didn't they do it? Okay, what are some potential reasons that they didn't do it? And we don't have to make it mean that we're a terrible clinician or a terrible person because we have these unconscious biases. I know that I have them. No, it just makes us be in a position to start to think critically, to start to take responsibility and say, well, okay, here's here's the problem that I keep running up against, especially if we see it happening time and time again, and we see this theme happening, then it's like, okay, how do I solve that problem? What can I do? It really does give us our power back. And that's what I love so much about not making it about the other person like, okay, I can just solve
0: this problem. Well, that's never going to end. I think the word that jumped out at me that you used was responsibility. If, if, if you're not taking responsibility on owning the message and owning the understanding, then you're going to have the same complaints about your, your patients that, you know, uncompliant was something you said that that is not going to go away unless you look somewhere else in the relationship or the relationship build, which is, am I, am I communicating to be understood? Am I communicating to understand as well without understanding cannot build a relationship.
1: Right. And I think the word, the the word of itself, unconscious bias, I would hope that a person that realizes that they have some of those, they give themselves a break. They give themselves some grace and they have some compassion for themselves to say it was unconscious. Ergo, I didn't know this. Right. And so now that I know better, I can do better.
0: Yeah. We, we've had pretty previous episodes that understanding that the bias is unconscious is a great first step. Recognizing it does not make the unconscious bias go away. And I'm going to say that again for the audience, because this was something that hit me. Recognizing you have an unconscious bias doesn't mean now that you know it exists, it goes away. It is still there. So that is step one. It is not the only step that needs to take place.
1: Right. I mean, especially if we have three and four and five decades under our belts behaving a certain way, thinking a certain way, believing a certain way. It just doesn't go poof out of the window like that. Right. It takes some work.
0: Yeah. It wasn't an unknown bias. It was an unconscious bias. That's very, very different. All right, Tavana, before we, uh, before we let you go, anything uh, that jumped out at the, r- the report while you were going through it from top to bottom, pretty all encompassing. And again, you can find it at webpt.com anything that you'd uh, you'd want to comment on before we let you go.
1: Yeah. And it's not related to diversity. I, when I was looking at, I always had this question, where have all the old PTs gone? And maybe when we bring Heidi back, she can answer. Because for the, I wanted to do a study to figure out, like I always would be in the clinics and the hospitals and like, there are no old PTs around here. Where are they? And it was just anecdotally that I thought, okay, maybe this is a profession for young people. But when I saw the report, there was confirmation every five to ten years or so, we're dropping, we're declining. After age forty, we go from seventeen point five percent to fourteen point seven. I'm like, whoa! And especially that—that that is a bit concerning. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's concerning because especially now, as we pay six figures for these degrees, that you can't stay in the profession until it's time to retire. So that's, that was the most striking thing for me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, as they would say in research, uh, definitely uh, worthy of, of future research and, and, and study on of, of why are they leaving or where are they going? And I, we've got a guest coming up in just a little bit that I think might shed some insight on where non-clinically can physical therapists uh, go in the profession. Uh, Tavonna, we're going to bring you back in just a a minute. So don't, don't go anywhere, but the audience will hear from you again before we bring on uh, our next guest. Do you want to say thanks to our friends from fusion medical staffing leaders in hashtag travel, physical therapy, find them online at fusionmedstaff.com. we like to say uh, let your PT or PTA license take you where you want to go Uh, test drive an area of the country. If you've always wanted to live in the Pacific Northwest, instead of just moving there on a whim, what if you took a travel assignment there? Kind of uh, kick the tires of the area and got paid for it and test drove it, right? Going somewhere for a weekend doesn't really tell you much about the area. You're going to love this area. Do you want to live there? Uh, go do a three-month assignment because it could turn into something permanent. They have both of those, along with job transparency. See exactly what's being offered and what's being asked. No runaround. Complete transparency online at fusionmedstaff dot com.
1: Follow us online.
0: Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you?
1: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast.
0: All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, and OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management. Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at Brooks
2: The PT Pinecast
1: is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.